Hello and welcome to The Sound Architect. I am joined by the fantastic Galadriel Steinman. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Good, and we're glad to have you. So before we discuss your performance in the, the recent successful PS4 title, Until Dawn, fill us in on your journey so far. How did you first get into acting? Well, when I was a kid, I was really into acting from, I mean, some of my earliest memories, I just for fun. I did community theater type things and classes. And then I sort of fell away from it a bit in high school, um, you know, got discouraged, thought I should find something more practical. So I uh, went to college for broadcast journalism. Awesome. And then as fate would have it, when I was there, I fell into some acting again in student films. And when I graduated, I thought, you know, why not? Now's the time. Just go, if anything, go get it out of my system. Yeah, just go for it. Right. And uh, and then if not, well, um, then I'd keep doing it. So I moved to Los Angeles after I graduated and I've been here ever since. Awesome. Is there a point that you would say was kind of your big break, so to speak, or a big turning point? You know, I've always kind of referred to myself as like a slow burn. Um, <laughs> you know, it's all uh, it's all been steady, but it's been sort of a steady climb. I don't think there's been a lot of like huge jumps up to the next level. But uh, one, I'm just happy to work. But I would say that <laughs> most people or when I started getting recognized more often was when I had a recurring role for a few seasons on ABC's The Middle yeah. uh, as Cassidy Finch. And that was sort of um, more mainstream than a lot of things I'd done. Is there like a highlighted moment that you're most proud of? Let's see, a moment I'm most proud of. That's tough because, you know, you don't, every job is special and unique and just in its own way. Um, but I will say that actually speaking of unique, one of the jobs that was the most unique for me was, um, when I played Gwen in the live action adaptation, um, Ben 10 Alien Swarm. Yeah, that must have been um, pretty cool. Yeah, because with the Ben 10 franchise, there was already a built-in fan base. Yeah, As massive. an actor, it's amazing because you have years and years of multiple series and, uh, you know, all this history to pull from. So, um, and, and it was a young cast. There were four of us. That's actually what we came to London for, was to do public for Ben 10. And um, it was just so unlike any other job that I've had. And it was an early job for me that it was just very memorable. Great excuse to watch all the cartoons, was it? <laughs> I watched every <laughs> single one. All of the original when they're 10 years old. Of course, all of Alien Force, because that's what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't happen. We got cast like right before the holidays. So I had just like all this time to just binge. <laughs> awesome. I'm just working, watching my cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any excuse, right? I mean, research can mean all kinds of things, but sometimes it's just really fun. <laughs> yeah. So on the flip side then, what about the most challenging moment up until now? Um, you know, I think the most challenging thing for most actors is not when you're working, because that's the great part <laughs> yeah. is when you're on set. I think one of the biggest challenges for me is as a working actor, even at a point in my career now where, you know, I'm fortunate enough to do this as my only career, I work somewhat steadily. You're still usually unemployed after every job. And so I think one of the biggest challenges for me as an actor is just getting used to that lifestyle and keeping your eye um, on your goals and, you know, trying not to get discouraged and just trusting that just like the last job, the next job is there. Um, and so I think most actors have a hard time getting used to that. Uh, and I know I have. Yeah. I mean, what people don't consider is that you guys are technically freelancers. 
you know, you're yeah. always chasing the next And we're typically laid off after every job. Like that's, <laughs> that's what the government defines it as. So as soon as you wrap a project, you're laid off. So yeah, you're technically unemployed until you're you do the next unemployed. one. <laughs> so, um, I mean, the nice thing is once you've been acting for a while, people kind of know you and, you know, there's always residual income, thank goodness. But um, I don't, I always thought as a young actor that it would get easier because I'd say, oh, well, you have a resume now. You know you, that you're going to work again. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't always feel that way. So I think that just getting used to that sort of, you know, uncertainty and just, you know, keeping on is just one of the biggest things that any actor can do for themselves emotionally. And uh, so that was, that's always been a challenge. But I feel like, I feel like now I'm pretty good with it. <laughs> yeah, I think people underestimate how, how often people just kind of look at it and go, oh, well, once I get to this stage, that's it. I'm set. I know. But there's a lot of that. Well, I still don't know what's going on. I, I thought I'd know by right. now. <laughs> totally. And I mean, even if you get, you know, the hot new show, is the pilot going to get picked up? Are you going to get recast? Is it going to get canceled? And then, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be on it for six or seven seasons, well, then what if you're known too much for that? What if you can't do anything else? At every <laughs> level, it exists. And I think I realized that no matter what point I'm at, there's a new sort of uncertainty and pressure and level. And so it's never holding on until that point's over. It's just getting ready for the next bit of it and the next bit of it. So, um, yeah, it's it's tough for actors, but most of us are in it because it's the only thing we can imagine doing. So we put up with it, I think. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't want to do it, you, you wouldn't be doing it, you know? Oh yeah. I tell people that all the time. I'll, I'll have a friend call me and say, Oh, we need to talk to so-and-so. They're thinking about quitting. And I'm like, then let them quit because <laughs> we'd be insane. If they don't want to do this that badly, then we should be encouraging them to do something that's fulfilling to them. Because people say this all the time. If you if something else will make you happy, you should do that. Something where if you work hard, you get what you want and you go ahead. And our business is not always that way. There are plenty of talented, well-qualified actors that are out of work. So, you know, a lot of them might be better appreciated in other areas if they're going to be fulfilled there too. Quite a lot of actors go on to be writers or producers and they tend to find yeah. that they prefer that lifestyle, don't they? People laugh a lot about actor slash, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. actor slash writer slash producer slash dancer. And, you know, some actors think that that's sort of something to be ashamed of. But really, I think that that's something to be admired because you got to be able to sustain this lifestyle. And even when you're very successful, there are lulls in the business. There are times when your type isn't, is in demand or where you're on hold for some job. And so it's realistic to have something else um, to cultivate. And if you're a creative artistic person, you're probably interested in more than just acting. So I think it's a good sign for like longevity if you can at least put one little slash in your title, you know, unless you're Anne Hathaway or something, I think she can probably just be an actor, but for the rest of us. <laughs> you're a big fan of Anne Hathaway, eh? Well, her career, I mean, she, she's fine. <laughs> she has done really well. She's fine. I, you know, I have no problems with Anne Hathaway. Uh, she's clearly doing a lot of things right, so uh, that's good for her. But I, I think she popped to mind because she was someone that I heard say, and I kind of groaned at first because she was saying that, you know, she's someone who I just am always worried after every job what the next job's going to be. And, you know, you're like, oh, come on, Anne Hathaway. <laughs> you're worried about not getting jobs. But that kind of goes back to what I said, where at every level there's a different kind of anxiety 
um, and uncertainty. Yeah, I suppose it's all, all perspective, isn't it? You know, like... Yeah, it is. And you always think, if I just get to this point, then I can relax and that. But it's not. It's always something new. So um, I try not to give her a hard time in my mind, in my mind, <laughs> yeah. with Anne Hathaway <laughs> when, I, when I heard that, because I think that's probably fair. Yeah, what would your slash be then? Well, I'm actually an acting coach. Uh, and that oh, awesome. I sort of fell into... The studio, it's called the Michael Wilson Studio here in Los Angeles. Nice. And I'd studied there for years. And they wanted uh, a younger coach. They wanted some female energy. Um, it was all men. And they wanted someone who especially was good with children. And I love kids. And so it's been, I think, about three years now since I became a coach there. And I sort of branched off on my own a little bit, too. And it's really more of a, um, a side job, something I just enjoy doing. But I think that it's probably there if I ever want to grow it more than I have. Um, but that's it's also a nice way to do what I enjoy doing and share what I've learned, but take the pressure off. You know, it's not about impressing anybody or getting a job. Um, so I've really enjoyed coaching other people. Yeah, it's like a relaxed way of practicing, I guess, as well. Yeah, it is. And I've always been a person who's learned more by watching than doing, which a lot of acting teachers have not been real thrilled about when I'm like, no, 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 just let me watch. <laughs> yeah. but, I really do think it's true. I absorb more, uh, absorb more when I can observe. And so I've actually learned a lot by coaching and just seeing how other people come to material and stuff. So um, it's actually been really helpful for me as an actor too. Well, yeah, I bet. I mean, what people underestimate about teaching as well is that you, you know, you've always got something to learn no matter what you know. And sometimes someone who knows nothing about it can come at it from such an angle that you think, actually, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Exactly. I know. I mean, I've had... You know, um, I joke that there must be some sort of, you know, sticker on my forehead that says, send me preteen boys, because I just get, <laughs> I get all these preteen boys who are, are now becoming teenage boys. Um, and like, that just must be the group that I can just connect to. Um, but sometimes they'll, with no training or little training, they'll just say something, you know, reinterpreting something I had said. And I'm like, oh, wow. Huh, that really... That's can I use that? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's really good, you know, because I mean, what is acting? It's not something it's not like math that someone, you know, figured out and has tested all these theories and stuff. So much of it is emotional. And especially, I mean, kids are the closest to, you know, the most gifted actors because they haven't gotten rid of that imaginary world yet. And so a lot of times I think the kids have some of the best insight when it comes to acting because they're still living that, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, there's the kind of sort of used to pretending still, and it's not as fake to them, you know, it's still a right. form of reality. Yeah. You don't get as many kids, uh, well, you know, most of the time with as many <laughs> bad habits because they're just like, oh, you want me to pretend that I'm on another planet and I'm trying to find my mother? Okay, let's do that. Yeah, you know? I did that yesterday. It's fine. You know? hmm. <laughs> What, what would that, what, what would a metaphor in my life be for that? Huh? How can I connect mm. it? No, no, no. They're just like, <laughs> yeah. cool, let's why am I looking for my mother? You know, <laughs> yeah. what's happened? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, so it's, it's been really uh, a nice little slash to have, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you probably get asked this question a lot in that role, but what would your number one piece of advice for aspiring actors be or people maybe just starting in the industry? Oh boy. Well, I can't say one because I think that's where people fall in the problems. They think, oh, I just need this one thing. But, <laughs> um, and then, you know, we get a lot of them out here and they don't last for very long. But I would say really three things. And this is more towards, um, you know, 
young adults and adults who come out because yeah. it's a whole different ball game for kids and that's a whole different conversation with parents. Um, but you know, it's really more common. The people who ask me are the people who were like me that went to college and came out or coming out after high school or even in their mid thirties are saying, you know, oh, I just want to give this a try. Yeah. And to those people, I always say, get training. People underestimate that. And I don't understand why. I mean, yeah, in any some people else, are so arrogant about it, aren't they? Right. And I get it. Like you see people on TV all the time who are successful and don't have much training, <laughs> but it doesn't really help your odds a lot. It's sort of like, you know, how many lottery tickets do you want in this? Because, you know, the breathtakingly beautiful people, yeah, okay, they can get by with, you know, less, but most of us aren't those people. So I would say get training, get a sustainable second job. It always takes people longer than they think out here, or they yeah. book their first job and they quit their part-time job. And then they're, you know, broke and can't pay their rent. Los Angeles is an expensive city. So you have to have something sustainable that's there for you, even if you're just going back to it when you need it. And then I would say like, get comfortable because it takes a long time and yeah. it, if you're working somewhat consistently, it takes a long time for that to become your sole income. And it's not a thing where you can say, oh, I'm going to go out for pilot season or, you know, I'm going to move out for a year. And I naively was like, I'm going to go out for nine months and see what happens. Um, but you quickly realize that it's, you got to look at it like a career. It's definitely a marathon. So people really need to plan for a long term if this is really what they want to be doing. Yeah. And you, you mentioned LA a lot. Is it pretty much almost dead sir that you're going to have to be at least nearby or in LA? Well, it's shifting some. I think if you want your living to be exclusively as an actor, um, and I should say in TV and film, right. because New York, uh, there's definitely TV and film there, but I mean, you're going to, you know, there's so much more, there's so many more theater opportunities in New York. So uh, if, if that's part of how you want to make your income too, New York, New York's totally fine. Uh, but LA has a lot more TV opportunities and film opportunities. And it's great for your odds. It's just more likely if you're in Los Angeles that you're going to be able to do this full time. Now, I will say, you know, there's so much going on for American actors and other parts of the country. Uh, Atlanta is the first place that comes to mind. Right. And um, I, there are a lot of opportunities in Atlanta. They're still doing a lot of the major, um, the main cast hiring here in Los Angeles. They might spread their net to Atlanta, but it's going to be harder for those actors to compete sometimes because they haven't had the advantages of a Los Angeles actor. So there are a lot of people moving to Atlanta, but I think a lot of them are having second jobs, even if they're working quite often. So you know, if you want more of a normal lifestyle, maybe try Atlanta. If you want to work your way up in a smaller market before moving to a bigger market, try Atlanta. If you just want to go for it and you want it to be your whole life, probably Los Angeles. Right. Okay. So I think the long-term part as well is definitely something people don't think about. You know, like you say, just going out for like, oh, I'll just go out and try it. And it's, mm, it doesn't work out like that. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole big break thing, like, you know, well, I've known lots of people who've gotten big breaks, but a lot of times then maybe it's been a few years after that before another job, yeah. you know, um, or, or things suddenly slow down. And so I think even if you're one of those lucky people who gets a big break, you've got to be prepared for what's after that because it doesn't mean something went wrong. It means things got normal for you, you know. It's hard enough to make a living in this business without expecting that you need it to be 
like an instant discovery, you know? Yeah, like all of a sudden you're going to be some sort of superstar. Overnight. Right, right. And so I think um, most actors just want to work and they just want to not have to go to a restaurant and not have to be, you know, handing out flyers on a corner for a club and things like that. So, like, if that's your goal, just to be able to do it because you love it and that's all you have to do, that's a lot more feasible, you know, and probably more rewarding, too. Yeah, definitely. Now, we've spoke a lot about film and TV work, so we're going to move on now to your role in Until Dawn as Ashley. So, obviously, was that your first VO project for a game? Yeah, I mean, as an actor, I've auditioned for video games a couple of times, uh, but this was totally different. This came out of the blue. It was offered to me. Um, I think that they'd put out a wide casting net to the different agents in Los Angeles and in New York, I guess, too, and just our agents sort of just sent our material over. So I wasn't even aware that this was in the works until oh, they wow. called and offered it to me, um, which was awesome. It's almost so awesome to get a phone call and say, hey, so there's this project that's awesome that you don't even know about and they want to hire you. What do you think? Um, <laughs> that's, that's really what Until Dawn was for me, was just out of the blue, seemed too good to be true. I kept being like, are you sure they meant me? And do they know that like, I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to <laughs> I'm like, I feel like somewhere somebody messed up. But when we came down to it, they did mess up. They did actually want me. And uh, so that was just like Christmas. Yeah. And it was, um, it was a fairly unusual process, I suppose, wasn't it? Because you didn't have to audition. That's right. I believe that um, because a few years previous, they had worked on a version of the game for the PS3. Um, and uh, yeah. they had cast that with an entirely different cast. I think with the exception of Noah, who plays Chris, I think he was the only cast member to return. Oh, wow. And, uh, that original one had been cast in New York, I think, because Noah is a New York based actor. And he said that for that, there were pretty extensive auditions. So, um, I think when they went to PS4, they changed, made a lot of changes with casting and. Noah got lucky and got brought along. Awesome. And so I'm, I, think, I think I got off really easy. <laughs> so without the audition process then, how, how did you start developing the character of Ashley? How did you first get introduced to, to her? Well, I think preparing Ashley was really difficult just because it was, sure, you think video game, it's different, but it was so unlike anything. I sort of, when I'm working on something for TV or film, I sort of have a process. I sit down, I kind of do the same sorts of things depending on, you know, what the role requires every time. I have my go-to yeah. stuff. With this video game, it was just totally different. Um, it's not so cut and dry because especially with the character of Ashley, she's different depending on what decisions you make. Yeah. So it's not where I sort of have these fixed characteristics that I apply to all of my choices throughout a project. Um, it was really hard because it's like it's, it, she's different in everybody's game. Depending on how you play, she's so different. So what I tried to do was look at, okay, what are her fixed characteristics? You know, she's a little sarcastic. She's smart. She's loyal. You know, these sorts of things that I could apply to anything. Yeah. And then I sort of just had to play more of myself beyond that, you know, reacting in situations to what I thought based on what I knew would work. So it was a little more organic um, preparation than I've done in the past because it was just sort of impossible to have anything concrete otherwise. Yeah, sure. I mean, it sounds like such a unique workflow to have this kind of core personality and then oh, yeah. suddenly react differently just one after the other. You know, just like, okay, now you're not doing that. You're doing the opposite of that. 
Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it took a lot of getting used to, especially the first day I showed up on set because we didn't get a lot of, you know, um, heads up of like what was expected of us. Right. So, you know, I had this like, I don't know, 1100 pages of script, <laughs> every possibility. And I'm like, and I guess, am I supposed to have this memorized? Yeah, <laughs> like, that'll be my first thought. You know, I, I know. I was like, this, I showed right? up on set and I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is going to be the worst day of my life and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I saw teleprompters <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank you. Because, you know, I just didn't know. And I was sort of trying to act like I knew what the protocol was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I know what's going on, guys. It's fine. Yeah. And then I was like, they probably saw my face. So when I saw the teleprompters, like, oh, huh, woo. <laughs> yeah, like a huge weight just left your shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> what about the mocap stuff? Were you prepared for anything about that? Or? You know, with the mocap stuff, the nice thing was, well, I knew that would be a part of it. And yeah. so I tried to talk to as many people I knew who had done motion capture um, before we started just to get any you know, tips and advice. And most of those people were um, theater or film or TV actors first, so they could really translate to me what the differences would be. So um, I felt as prepared as I could be to go in and do that, you know, for sure. Awesome. And are you a fan of video games yourself at all? Um, I do like video games, but I really like it better when other people play them and I watch. Oh, okay, so you like um, watching them. You're an observer. I'm an observer. Oh, especially with Until Dawn. I've made other people play and I watch and I might, I'm like a backseat driver. I'll be like, oh, no, 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 don't go down there and do this. But I don't <laughs> want that controller. I used to play a lot of like, here's here's a frame of reference for how current I am with video games. I was very into like Mario Kart 64 awesome. and um, Pokemon Stadium. That was really my... Uh, so my the N64 was kind of your, your <laughs> last kind of high, high moment in games. I got a Wii mostly for like Netflix streaming. Um, and then now I just went even further back technologically and I'm just kind of into board games now. <laughs> so. Oh, nice. Cool. What are you playing at the moment? Let's see. Well, we just got The Fury of Dracula. Oh, cool. Which is going to take us a while to learn because it's a long game. And we really like Forbidden Island splendor ticket to ride a lot of like strategy games and yeah, uh, cool yeah we started with all the typical party games and got kind of bored and just branched out and we've gone real nerdy with it so <laughs> nothing wrong with that we have a lot of colleagues that play uh quite a heavy board games and um it was quite cool when i first got introduced to the world of board games because people don't realize how many are out there i know how, they're like what like monopoly and i'm like no, no. <laughs> over and they're like we're like, what do you want to play? And they're like, oh, you know, the usual like catchphrase or something. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. I guess we could play Cluedo. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's fine. We won't spend an hour teaching you how to play this game. Fine. <laughs> that's the hardest part, I think, is when you first approach a new proper board game and there's like the, the 50 page rule book, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I know. That's how this Fury of Dracula is. That's why we haven't played it yet. I'm like, we need a day to learn and then a day to play. Yeah, like a test play match as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it looks cool. It's a beautiful game, but it's going to be a while. All the reviews were like, we know it takes forever to figure it out, but trust us, it's worth it. So <laughs> we're going to believe them. <laughs> awesome. So, sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent there about board games, but yeah. what would you say is the was the biggest challenge about a video game as opposed to other mediums that you, you kind of, whoa, what's that? I think that the biggest challenge of working on video games, we touched on it a little bit, but is just trying to keep all the choices in your performances. Yeah, um, yeah. Keep what you've created 
that's I think I think the easiest thing to do would be to go into a video game and just play yourself because then you know it, it's sort of the easy way in. But if you really want to have this character created and most of the time the characters we're playing do have things that are different than us, really keeping that specific in your performance. Um, and you know, I mean, we let's say that we're shooting two different or three different variations of a choice in a game. Like I remember um, there was a point when Ashley is exploring the dollhouse in the game. Oh, and yeah. I remember being like, for each choice, okay, so if we did this one, it's because what did, what did we just do? And then what choice <laughs> led to that? And then what choice led to that? Because they're hugely different choices. And they say a lot about someone, especially your relationships. I'm oh, like, yeah, definitely. what did I just say something awful to her or are we best friends? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And that's where um, our director, Will, just came in because he had the whole thing in his brain. I mean, that was that was the miracle. He was he was the Google of the whole project where it'd be like, OK, Will, so if this and this and this and he could just tell you all the way back what choices that oh, meant. Wow. Like, nice. OK, great. And he was very patient because it, you had to move fast as much as we're shooting. And so, you know, he's very patient. He's like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. I'm just a little confused because I can't remember if this means I did that or this or that. Yeah, do I hate no. them or love them right now? I really can't remember. Like, <laughs> right. It would really affect your performance. And you never know how much of it will translate, but you don't want to be the reason that something doesn't make sense, you know? Well, yeah, definitely. You don't want your response in the game to be something where the player's like, what? <laughs> right, exactly. So, um, so sometimes the stakes were kind of high and we'd be moving fast and you just sort of have to be like, hold up, time out. <laughs> Please help, guys. Yeah. They're really, really great about that, especially since, I mean, because, uh, you know, there's certain things with motion capture, like you can't touch your face because, you know, you have a camera there and yeah. you, you just can't touch your face because it'll, your dots won't be visible. And I mean, most of us, it was our first video game experience, I would say, or the majority of us. And so, you know, we'd inevitably get into these really emotional scenes and you aren't holding in your brain all the rules of motion capture. So oh, course, yeah. something would happen, you know, or people would start crying and their dots would start running down their face. <laughs> and so they were really patient with us with that stuff, though. So how did you get around certain things like hands on your face? Because obviously you, you would have to do that in the action. Do you just hold them near or do you just not do it? You know, when you would be aware of it, because they would sort of, they'd usually let us finish out the scene and then say, okay, well, you touched your face. Let's try that again, you know. And so the camera would be, just, you know, a few inches in front of your face. So you'd get kind of used to um, having your hands on just the other side of the camera. Right, okay. And it's really interesting because as an actor physically, sometimes just changing your motions really unlocks different things, you know. So whereas touching another actor's face in this, you couldn't do. But there's something really powerful about reaching out to someone and not being able to touch them. Yeah. Um, that I think really helped us actors you know, connect emotionally. It sort of opened up whole different things. You know, all that stuff in your body, all that movement, all that body work that actors do. It was sort of a whole different exercise. So it was actually really kind of cool to see what sorts of differences in the performance, not being able to really touch each other or each other's faces, I should say, kind of opened up. Yeah, it reminds me about what a lot of creative types say in general is that sometimes it's easier to create unique or great work when you're provided with boundaries. Mm -hmm. So if you're given free reign, sometimes that's more difficult than if you said, right, okay, we well, can do it, but only if you do this, this, and this, and you can't do that. Right. Or in this case, it was almost, we had those sorts of boundaries, but we didn't have the same boundaries that you usually have in film and TV. Yeah. You know? So for instance, there wasn't a whole crew, a giant crew around with lights and chewing gum or checking phones or just any of the things that happen when you have 
you know, 60 people on a set. Um, You didn't have makeup and wardrobe and all these things. You didn't have props. And so in some ways that gave us more freedom because it's, you know, it looked almost like a big gymnastics floor and like this warehouse and we could just move freely. We didn't have to hit marks. And so in that way, I think it was way more fun for all of us than what we were used to because there were no restrictions with that. Um, the, the restrictions were smaller than the freedoms. So that was a kind of really neat introduction to the world of motion capture for me. Yeah, it's really is a unique world, isn't it? It's like a weird combination of theater and film and TV, but then it's exactly. own thing as well. It felt more like a theater or I should say like a theater in the round, although even then you have to hit marks. So <laughs> yeah. um, it, w- it was like a theater rehearsal, I guess. Um, yeah. But it was just really fun in that way. And so that was sort of when I had the light bulb moment of like, why have I been out here this long? And I haven't been doing this before. This is awesome. Well, that leads quite nicely into my next question, which is you, you obviously enjoyed it. So <laughs> you're hoping to work on more video games in the future? Yeah, definitely. Um, and more voiceover in general. I mean, that was yeah. really... I think that was my first voiceover job. So um, actually, it took me a while, but this past October, um, I got my first voiceover agents at CESD, and that's been awesome. So now I'm regularly auditioning for video games and animation, commercials, everything. I never even realized how prevalent voices are, you know. Oh, and my personal favorite, audiobooks, because I'm a big big fan of books in general, but listening to them on the go. And so most actors don't want to do audiobooks because they think it's kind of boring. And, you know, and me, I'm like, you want me to read out loud for 500 pages? Sure. <laughs> so, um, so it's been great. And honestly, without the video game, I don't think I'd always considered it, but I don't think I would have had the confidence and the like, just go for it, you know, uh, attitude to do it. So I'm really glad because it nudged me in that way. And it's been that's been really fun. Oh, that's awesome. Can you tell us much about what you've done so far? Well, it's still pretty new. So most of the stuff that I've auditioned for and, and you know, have been in progress for, I can't really talk about. Um, but I, I did book my first job. I did a um, Taco Bell radio commercial. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty proud of that one. Uh, it's a whole different a whole different ballgame than film and TV auditioning, and there's a lot more competition. And so anytime I actually do book something, I'm like, wow, really? Great. <laughs> they usually don't care about resume or uh, at least for, you know, um, animation and things. They like to see that background, of course, but they don't, you know, they don't ever see you. They don't meet you. Yeah. They don't care about your resume. It's just your little voice clip and they can listen to a thousand of them. So I'm always like how anybody actually books jobs is just amazing to me. Yeah, it's incredible. There's such high competition in the VO field. Yeah, there there is. And I'm learning so much and I've been taking some classes and trying to play catch up as fast as I can. But my agents are great and there's definitely been, from what I've understood, a trend in the voiceover industry where they're really, you know, trying to incorporate more traditional actors rather than specifically voiceover actors into the work. And you've probably even noticed listening to commercials and things, how there's a trend towards it sounding very natural and less announcery. And of course, most good voiceover artists are very well-trained actors anyway. But I think that helped me come in when I did, just because of my acting experience, um, even though I had a minimal voiceover background. It was awesome that you, you were part of Until Dawn, and that was sort of your gateway into another world that you now enjoy. Oh yeah, Until Dawn definitely helped to be like, hi, I would like to start a voiceover career. I've never really done that, except I just did this video game that's doing it. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think it at least helped open doors 
you know, and they still made me audition, but that's okay. Cause that was a lot of fun too. And, uh, and, and they've been really great and they know that I am new. So I'm always asking a million questions and (laughs) Hey, I've never done this before. So, um, yeah. And they're like, no, okay, it's fine. Let us help you. So that's been great. That's awesome. So this ties nicely again into my next question, which is what lies in the future for you now? Let's see what's lying in the future for me now. Well, it's pilot season, which is always a time of terror and excitement for actors (laughs) in Los Angeles. And it's just the beginning, the best part. Um, You know, and there's always things in the works. I I can tell you about, um, I was part of a Pixel Hallmark movie called A Moving Romance that will be out at some point this year. I should probably look look into dates for that. Um, But that'll be out there. And then... um, I think that's really all I can talk about right now, pretty much. But, you know, and then on the other side of it, we're always auditioning. That's our job. So yeah, maybe- it's not 90% of the work, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. The, the full-time part of the job is the auditioning. And then last week I was on a really fun episode of NCIS LA. Do oh, you guys cool. Know that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. I should know more about these things. But uh, <laughs> it's only been about a couple years since I've aged out of playing teenagers, um, which has been fun for me to play legitimate adults. And so that was a nice grown-up role that I was excited about. Yeah, a bit different from Ben 10. Yeah, a little bit. And I seemed (laughs) to play 16 for a really long time. And I'm thankful because, you know, work is work. But um, it's nice to be able to play some of these complex grown-ups now. (laughs) Getting into the nitty-gritty now. Yeah, right. And there's just so much at that age. You know, I got a little tired of being like, Dad, you just ruined my life. So, and I think I just honestly rode that as long as I could. So, uh, so I'm glad. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a timeline on that. So you might as well make the most of it. Yeah, exactly. And I did. I think I, I think I wrote it as long as possible. And then I cut my hair and I'm like, I'm a grown up now. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've got a really fun question now to finish off with, which okay. is uh, sometimes harder than I think it's going to be for our, our guests. But if you could have a drink with anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would it be? Well, that's actually easier <laughs> than you would probably expect. Um, Stephen King. Awesome. Fantastic author. One of my favorites. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Stephen King. I have been for a long time. Um, and then also his book on writing, which is just really helpful for artists of all kinds, um, really motivated me, especially when I was early in my career and things were tough and it seems sort of hopeless. And um, I am like such a fangirl for Stephen King. I even went to see um, his band, The Rock Bottom Remainders. It's like, all these different authors and Matt Greening of The Simpsons. Oh, uh, fantastic. Perform here. And uh, I've had the opportunity to audition for a few of his adaptations a couple of times. And I'm always like, come on, please. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love me some Stephen King. I have a high hopes one day of sitting down and having a conversation with him, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, that'd be incredible. His uh, Dark Tower books are fantastic. You know, I've been saving those because um, definitely, I think Stephen King's gonna live to be 120, I've decided, but at some point, his books are gonna stop coming. So there's some that I sort of like shelved in my mind for when they um, run out. (laughs) (laughs) Just as a kind of stock. Yeah, because what am I going to do? You know, it's sort of like the J.K. Rowling and all the Harry Potter and, you know, and I read the new ones of those and I'm always like, all right, now what? Read them all. (laughs) So Stephen King and fortunately he'd been writing for a very long time before I was even born. So it'll still be a little while before I run out of stuff. But uh, he's written a lot of books as well. I mean, he he writes a lot. I know he writes so much. And then all those years that he was writing under a pen name and, you know, publishing multiple novels a year and. (laughs) 
don't know it's how amazing. he does it. It's incredible. I don't know. I mean, I just think he's probably driven to it the same way that those of us who act are driven to it, where, you know, you don't need an ideal lifestyle or whatever it is, you'll prioritize it because not only his drive, but I mean, he's such a good writer. And I studied journalism in college, so I'm really drawn to people who aren't very flowery with their writing and, yeah. you know, show and don't tell. And his writing, in addition to his crazy storytelling, is just really admirable. And I just I just admire him a lot. Yeah, he's fantastic. Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time, Kanajo. It's been amazing talking to you, and I hope you've enjoyed your time on the show. Of course. It has been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. We look forward to seeing you in the UK at some point. Oh, yes, please. Awesome. Take care. You too.